everybody. Welcome to a special edition of the Fin Maniac podcast on Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. Jason Sarney here. And we have a very special guest, Jason Clary of DolphinsDispatch.com. We're going to be talking University of Central Florida football with their pro day. And with that said, I'm going to bring on in Husam Patel and Brandon Lagori of the Scouting Combine. Take it away, fellas. What's going on, guys? You know, it felt as if forever ago, we watched Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely destroy Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. But how about we're officially one week away from now the 2021 NFL Draft? Usam, I know you're excited. I'm excited as well. How's everything doing, buddy? Man, why do you always have to have the, the feel to mention that Super Bowl loss to Tom Brady? You know I don't like Tom Brady. Man, stop. Stop rubbing the salt into my wounds, okay? Okay, listen, we're Jason Sanders days away from the NFL draft next week. And guess what? The guys over at Fin Maniacs, Jason, Sean, and Chip, they'll be in Cleveland live, and we will have our live stream coming in from Cleveland and from our home base here at Fin Maniacs. So I'm super, super, super excited. And I know Jason Clary is also excited to be here today. Jason, how are you doing today, bud? Hey, going well, man. Uh, just been waiting for this draft, man. It's like that uh, dead period right after free agency kind of cools down a little bit. You got, you know, a little, little over a month to, to wait while there's like barely any news flowing in. So uh, good to be a week away. Can't wait for the draft. Speaking of, you used to be with the UCF newspaper, student uh, newspaper group. Talk a little bit about that and those days uh, covering UCF athletics and UCF football in the Blake Bortles era. Yeah, man, that was an exciting time. That was, uh, you know, right as UCF started kind of becoming a little more well-known of a name, uh, still playing in a, a little bit of a lesser tier conference. Um, but in 2013, uh, I worked for um, the Central Florida Future, which is a now defunct student newspaper at UCF, uh, was one of the beat reporters for the UCF Knights, uh, they had one of the, uh, up to that time, actually, the, the best season they ever had as a program. So it was uh, really exciting to get to be there for that. And, uh, you know, I know with uh, Gus Malzahn higher recently, it's, uh, it's more exciting times. I know UCF fans are excited um, as an alumni. Uh, crazy, it's been eight years since I graduated. But uh, as an alumni, uh, you know, it's, it's cool to still see, um, you know, the program on the up and up. Uh, looking forward to just you know, see how everything goes uh, here in the next few years of the start of the Gus Malzahn era there. So, you know, Gus Malzahn put up a quote a couple of days ago and he says, you know, he got a chance to meet the guys who are going through the pro day and he won't be able to coach them next season. But he knew a lot of them and knew of them. He coached against some of them and he kind of recruited a few of them during his time at Auburn. And, you know, it's super, super special getting to take a look at the players two, three years down the road and seeing where they're really at. And Brandon, did you know that the Knights have made a strong showing in the draft with at least one player selected in each of the last four years? You know, I mean, to me, it, you know, it's kind of like shocking because UCF football, you, they, you know, they had the uh, – they had the uh, – undefeated year, you know, where, where everybody thought that they were on top of Alabama, really, and deserved to be the the actual national champ, uh, 
champions, and then you have Mackenzie Milton. So this is a so this UCF program is not really it's not it you can't really underestimate them, right? Because Jason Clary, as we him and I were talking before the show, UCF once upon a time did knock off Baylor, and Baylor was a really really good collegiate football school. Yeah, man, that's uh, that that 2013 year. Uh, I, I I never thought as a UCF fan that I would see something as magical as that. Uh, and then after the I call it the defeated season of 2015, where they didn't win a single game, and right. you know they were kind of in a, a strange program transition. Um, not a lot of people at the time were were super excited about the Scott Frost uh, hiring, just because there were so many other candidates that were floated around, and uh, people were getting excited about some other candidates, but. Uh, Frost came in and had an unbelievable two-year transformation. Um, Mackenzie Milton played better than anybody ever expected him to, and uh, they also landed another Hawaii quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, who I think in a couple years, uh, I don't know if he's going to be a first-round type of quarterback because he doesn't have the size, but um, he definitely has the arm strength. He definitely has the the accuracy down the field. Um, He's definitely a guy to watch uh, here in the next few years, and with the extra year of eligibility because of the COVID season. Uh, he's still considered a uh, sophomore there. So he's still got a few more seasons at UCF. So it's, uh, you know, exciting times there, like I said. That's correct. And uh, Dylan Gabriel is on my watch list for 2022 and 2023. We're, we're going to have to see how the quarterback landscape shapes up in the next couple of years. But let's get right to it on the offensive side of the ball. Now, UCF does not have the big names on the offensive side of the ball, but they can be key contributors in the NFL. Let's start off with uh, running back Otis Anderson, 5'7", 179 pounds, 9-inch hands, 4'6", 340, 9 feet, 5-inch broad jump, and a 36-inch vertical. He played both receiver and running back over his three seasons at UCF, but it was exclusively in the backfield in 2020. You know, his value to the team was as a punt returner, and he logged over 11 and a half yards per return and a touchdown. Um, there are a little bit of inconsistencies with his hands. He had five muffed punts as well. He's super lean and has a narrow build, and he he reminds me of Demetri Felton because he looks like a slot receiver playing running back. Uh, he does a great job running to daylight. He follows his blocks well, um, but he's not a power back at all. You know, maybe one tackle, a big, big hit would probably jar him. And you're just like, oh, I mean, what happened to him? He's more so kind of like a utility weapon um, for an NFL team. Now, if he does become a utility weapon in his NFL career, is he along the likes of a possible Darren Sproles type of player, Jason? You know, it... It was hard after that pro day when he ran, uh, I, I believe you said in the four sixes, um, he, he, he played much faster than that. And I was kind of surprised, um, you know, you look at it back last year, uh, Adrian Killens for UCF that did have the, the track like speed, but in my opinion, uh, didn't really have uh, as much of the agility or the after the catch uh, besides for speed. Uh, one thing that I think Otis does really well is once he gets the ball, he's able to kind of find space. Um, He's quick enough that he doesn't give defenders uh, a large target to tackle. So while he does have size concerns, and I think that does um, limit him to an undrafted free agent, um, I, I I do think that a team will look at his upside uh, as maybe a return man if he can, you know, like you said, he had five muff punts. If he can get that taken care of uh, when he does have the ball in his hands, he is a dynamic weapon. I think he does play faster than that four six three forty 40 time. Um, I, 
I, I don't necessarily see him as a Darren Sproles because Darren Sproles uh, was a guy that was powerful, uh, powerful enough and big enough to run between the tackles. Uh, I don't see that as Otis Anderson's game in the NFL. Um, I kind of see him as more of a move piece. Um, you know, you can get him on jet sweeps, uh, make sure that he's not running between the tackles because uh, I would kind of worry if a 300 plus pound defensive lineman got their hands on him. Um, but you know, he's, he's quick enough. He's agile enough. Um, I think he's tough enough uh, to take hits in the NFL. It just depends on, you know, it just takes one team, uh, you know, to, to see what he brings to the table. Uh, I, I think that as an undrafted guy, uh, he'll definitely have his work cut out for him trying to make an NFL roster. I think uh, his first year or two is going to be relegated to the practice squad. Um, maybe if injuries happen ahead of him, uh, he's able to get on a game day roster for a few games here and there. Um, I, I do think he needs to get a little bigger and stronger. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about the four six three because he he does play a lot faster than that. Um, he's pretty slippery when you get him out into the open field, uh, and it's just tough to project him because of that size. Uh, that's the biggest concern. Um, a lot of those smaller type of backs, uh, you know, you look at Dre Archer, I believe from Kent State a few years ago. He's one of those speed guys tested way faster than Anderson did, and he was kind of relegated to the return game on uh, that kind of thing. So I think Otis will have to be more of a special teams player that uh, here and there is able to get on the field as a move type piece. Yes, yeah, sim similar to, uh, you know, moving on now to the running, to the second running back spot, Greg, Greg McCray. Now here's a guy who's, who's listed at five foot nine and weighing 182 pounds, which that's probably a little bit undersized at the running back spot. But as Osama and I talked about over and over again, the Dolphins in general just have to walk out of this draft with a solid running back, right? Whether it's Brad McRae or whether it's possible first-round back like Travis Etienne, Najee Harris. The Dolphins' main goal coming into next Thursday night is going to be solidifying a top running back, right? So you look at, 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 uh, at Dred's 2018 year where he collected over 1,300 yards from scrimmage while averaging 9.2 yards per carry with 11 touchdowns. But Jason, I want to ask I, I want to ask you, what are the elements that Jordan that excuse me, Greg McCray is missing to be a viable starting NFL running back? Again, we just go back to the size. Um, you know, you worry about him uh, taking a lot of hits. Uh, he's not as slippery as Otis Anderson was, but he does play through contact a little better. If you look at his uh, yards per carry number at UCF, it was pretty incredible. And he came on as a, as a walk-on, so he wasn't even recruited. Uh, I believe he was previously committed to Navy, uh, walked on to UCF, um, and kind of took their running back room by storm, uh, became a, a really solid player out of the backfield. He's not, uh, he's not great out of the backfield as a receiver, so that does also limit him there, uh, along with the size concerns. But he does play through contact a little better. Uh, I would trust him more running be between the tackles than I would uh, Otis Anderson. Um, again, I, I kind of project him as, as an undrafted player. I, I think teams will look at the size and, and kind of shy away. Um, I know certain teams have certain thresholds that they won't draft a player that, that falls out of a certain range. So I think it does limit the number of teams that would give him a chance. Um, right. But I do think that given the opportunity, um, similar to Otis, he would have to kind of fight for his spot on a practice squad. Um, but I would actually project him as a more viable player as a pure running back uh, than I would Otis Anderson and think that, um, you know, if you're giving him 25 to 50 carries a season, I think he would make the most of those opportunities and, uh, 
you know, you wouldn't want to be a bell cow by any means, but uh, I think is like a lower roster practice squad type of running back that if he does find the field that uh, you're going to get some quality touches from him. So as we move from the running back position, we go to my favorite position, the wide receiver position, and we start off with Marlon Williams. He's 5'11", 209, 209 pounds. He had a 4.63, 40-yard dash, 33-and-a-half-inch vertical jump, and a 9-foot-11-inch broad jump. You know, he took on a bigger role in 2019, which included 51 receptions for 712 yards and six touchdowns. But he really, really broke out and really became the top guy in the wide receiver room in 2020 when he collected 71 receptions for uh, 1,040 yards and 10 touchdowns in eight games. Uh, he served as the primary big slot guy in the offense. And, you know, he's a physical receiver with great hands, good ball skills, and he can produce after the catch. And he's a great, great competitor. And he routinely, routinely comes down with the ball um, when he's contesting the catches or in traffic as well. Uh, he may need to develop and expand his route tree to become, you know, a primary wide receiver, a starting wide receiver in the NFL now, he may not demand those type of targets in the NFL like he did at UCF, but he's got the size and the vertical skills down the field, and he, he can create space for himself after the catch. So let me ask you this. Could he be this year's DK Metcalf? I don't know that I would necessarily peck him there because DK Met, uh, Metcalf was just such a physical specimen, um, whereas I, I think Marlon Williams is on the opposite end of the spectrum. A lot of teams look at uh, those testing numbers and come away a little underwhelmed, uh, even at 209 pounds, only having, um, you know, 14 reps on the bench press. Uh, the thing that he does really well uh, that not a lot of guys on UCF did because they recruited a lot of finesse was he was able to play through contact really well, um, whether it was catching a screen pass, breaking several tackles, running through contact, um, you know, a lot of his receptions had a lot of yards after the catch. Uh, he was also very good uh, at high pointing the ball, which at 5'11", you wouldn't expect a 5'11 guy to be kind of a jump ball receiver, but there were multiple occasions, uh, especially last year um, where he did come down with the jump ball. Um, I know we're going to talk about this later in the show, but when Trey Nixon, another UCF wide receiver went down with injury, Marlon was the guy that was relied on to be the, the, you know, bell cow, the guy that they would force targets to. Uh, they had another receiver, Jalon Robinson, who was, uh, his nickname is Flash because he's kind of their, their speed guy. Um, but Marlon was the guy that if there was a big third down or if you needed somebody to make a play, he was always the guy that would make that play. So again, you look at the underwhelming testing numbers um, and he's a guy that does have the size to play in the NFL. So you, we talked about those two previous running backs that they didn't have the size. Marlon does have the size. So I think he has more of a chance to make a roster um, because he does have the size. He does play through contact. Well, he is a very physical player for a receiver. I, I could see him being on special teams units and, and being a gunner and being able to go, go tackle kick and punt returners down the field. Um, you know, early in his NFL career. And I think that if he keeps working at it, um, you know, he did have the production in college. I think that uh, he can work his way as a, as a role player um, 
for a team. Uh, he's he's just going to have to, you know, like you said, expand his route tree, refine his route running. Um, he's got the skills playing through contact, um, being a high point catch receiver to be in the NFL for 10 years. It just all depends on uh, where a team sees his fit, uh, whether he's able to see the team, see the field early on special teams and kind of how he further develops as a route runner, um, which I think is uh, maybe his biggest question mark coming into the NFL right now. Well, Sam knows it best. My favorite tight end coming in this year's 2021 draft class is definitely Florida's Kyle, Kyle Pitts. And I know every time I say that, I know Sam just sits there shaking his head continuously because he, he just knows how much I have, like, a literal obsession with Kyle Pitts. But you look at now tight end Jacob Harris, right? Measures in at six foot five and two. And that six foot five height is really, really tall for a position like the uh, tight end spot. And even from an interview with NFL Draft Diamonds, they asked me that if you could compare Jacob Harris to one player that's currently playing in the National Football League, who would it be? And they said that, that Mike Evans, even though I have much to learn and improve upon, I try to model my, my play after Mike Evans. He's a player I've grown up with that I've grown up watching. So, Jason, I want to I I ask you, what did you see when watching Harris? And is he also – do you compare him to a, a, an elite wideout like Mike Evans? The, the biggest thing that UCF fans had against Jake Harris was his hands. Uh, he, he had a, a very bad issue of drops. Um, but he would also come in uh, in certain spots, and he had the quickness to – um, you know, have a crazy catch downfield with his size. So um, he really needs to work on his hands if, he, if he's going to have any type of home in the NFL. Um, you know, you see the size. You, you can't deny that he's just a, a physical specimen. Um, you know, he, he's cut. He's ripped. You can tell that he loves the gym. Uh, he's a former soccer player. So I, I honestly kind of like guys that have backgrounds in other sports because they're able to creatively – um, use their body in ways that uh, maybe traditional football players wouldn't. Um, I also don't know that I necessarily project him as a tight end. Um, you look at what Miami did with Mike Kosicki, who is a tight end, but he's he's right. on the, the the slimmer side for tight ends. Uh, I, I see Jacob Harris as kind of a, a big slot uh, kind of player um, with his speed, his size. If you match him up against, uh, you know, traditionally smaller slot cornerback, he has the speed to take off the – top of the defense he has the size to um be able to outmatch anybody that's going to cover him out of the slot you know unless it's a crazy big safety but then you have the athleticism that he's able to beat that so um he he has to learn how to be a hands catcher um and with that being said there were times where the ball would hit him dead on the hands and he would just flat out drop it so um he has an incredible value if you're looking for a special teams player right off the bat. He's, he's going to absolutely just tear the league up as a special teams gunner, in my opinion, um, just getting down the field. And, and he has the size to probably hit somebody with violence uh, on kick and punt returns. <laughs> um, and I, 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 I do think of all of the offensive players that UCF has coming out this year, He's going to be the guy that benefits the most from those pro day numbers. He's going to be a guy that teams see, and they're going to say, holy moly, like if, if we can get this guy playing up to his potential and playing up to that, those size and speed numbers, like we're going to have something here. So um, 
I didn't expect him to put up those kind of numbers on the pro day. I knew he was fast. I knew he was strong. I knew he was physical, but that was one of the craziest pro day performances that I think I've ever seen and just came out of nowhere. Um, so I, I, I do think uh, that just because of those numbers and because of his potential that he does get drafted, maybe uh, rounds five through seven, um, okay. got to work on the hands, but it's more like a day three player, a uh, day three player. You see yeah, that. man, he, he, he's going to have value in the NFL. Um, okay. Um, the receivers, I, I'm the most confident that he's going to have a home on an, an active NFL roster um, just because he has those things that you can't teach, the, the size, the speed, right. the, um, just hit him as a, an athletic player. Like, you, you, you just can't teach that. His talent oozes all over the field. And as we wrap up the wide receiver position, we're going to finish it off with Trey Nixon as he's – Six foot flat, 187 pounds, and ran a 4.4440 yard dash. As you said before, you know his 2020 season was plagued by was plagued by injuries, and he only played three games itself. But prior to that season, he started 26 consecutive games. He's a gifted athlete. He's light on his feet. He's got the lower body flexibility to lean into his route and break at steep angles, kind of like a comeback route as well. He wins downfield thanks to his speed and his release off the line is really, really good. And he uses his feet very well. Uh, you know, he'll have to be a better blocker in the NFL if he really, really wants to be on a roster. And he tracks the deep wall really well. Um, however, what I've seen um, sometimes in the games I've watched, he doesn't really adjust to underthrown balls down the field. I just falls right flat and he might not make the best effort to get it and ultimately he can be a slot wide receiver um so what does he need to develop to become a starting wide receiver in the nfl to me nixon is the most complete receiver that ucf has in the draft this year just in terms of of molding that athletic ability as well as ability as a player um UCF's offense under Josh Heupel was very much a vertical attacking offense. So he's, he's got that experience um, expanding his route tree. You know, that's, that, that's something that you hear of a lot of receivers uh, every year in the draft is that these players need to expand their route tree. Uh, if, if Trey Nixon is able to expand his route tree, I don't necessarily think that he's only relegated to running fly routes. Uh, I just don't think UCF did it a lot. So he doesn't have it a lot on film. Uh, I think he's more than capable um, of running a variety of routes. Uh, they didn't really use many underneath crossing mid routes. So um, I, I, I do think that he has that ability to do it. Um, and I think that he, 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 he would fit a vertical passing offense. Um, he's, you know, he was always consistent as a deep throw at UCF. Dylan Gabriel would throw the ball up, and it always seemed to find its target down the field to Trey Nixon. So he was always reliable in that manner. Um, he wasn't a volume target by any means. Uh, but if you look at what he did at UCF, he was always a reliable target. Um, you would always get a consistent effort from him every game. You never had to worry about, uh, you know, whether he was going to drop a lot of passes in a game or um, what kind of guy you were getting on the field. So con consistency, uh, in my opinion, was was there with him always. And I think that's, uh, you know, he has a higher floor uh, than I think Marlon and Jacob Harris do. Uh, it just, again, comes down to development, uh, whether 
he's able to expand that route tree um, where teams see him. Um, you know, it, he he was a very solid player for UCF. It's just hard to know what his true ceiling is. And I think, you know, to be better, he may need to put up some uh, weight in the weight room during the off season because I have seen that he can struggle against bigger cornerbacks. Um, as we wrap the offensive side up, we're going straight to the defensive backs because the Dolphins sent defensive back coaches and we have Tang Gowan, Richie Grant, Aaron Robinson, and Neville Clark um, that the Dolphins looked at. But let's take a look at uh, Richie Grant. I mean, he is probably the star of the show at UCF. Okay, he's 5'11", 197 pounds, and almost 200, okay? He's super versatile in the defensive backfield and had a productive college career itself. When watching Richie Grant, who does he remind you of? You know, I don't know that I have a player comp for him uh, off the top of my head. You know, uh, I watched every game that he played at UCF and uh, coming in as a two-star recruit, nobody expected anything from him. You know, you, you you see those recruiting class rankings every year and he's one of the guys that, oh, you know, we got a two-star this year, like big deal. But he came in uh, and they immediately saw the value. They immediately saw how intelligent of a player he was uh, and that he wasn't afraid to be put into tough tough uh, situations. You know, they had him covering the slot. They would have him covering deep. They would have him uh, near the line of scrimmage as a run defender. Uh, there were times where he diagnosed a run play from deep safety, came in and, and absolutely just crushed somebody. So um, he he's the total package when it comes to his safety. You don't have to worry about uh, whether or not you're going to play him deep, whether or not you're going to play him near the line of scrimmage. He's able to do it all. Um, and while people will look at the testing numbers and say that he's not um, that he's not an explosive athlete or he's not uh, he doesn't have the size for a guy that can play near the line of scrimmage, um, he's coming in as a two-star prospect. He dealt with doubt his entire college career, uh, made the most of it, did more than anybody ever expected him to do as a two-star recruit, and I think that that's going to continue in the NFL. Um, I have him as a high second rounder. Uh, I don't know that he's even going to be available for Miami's uh, pick number 50 in the second round. So um, I just think that you're able to do so much with him in your defense as a safety. And that's definitely something that Miami covets in its safeties is players that are able to be versatile. Um, you saw with Brandon Jones coming in as a rookie last year, you see Bobby McCain playing all over the field. Um you know, I, I think he would fit really well into this defense. Uh, he's somebody that is smart enough to be able to handle all the assignments that the Dolphins defense uh, comes with. Uh, and I, I, I think that if he is there at 50, uh, Miami would be dumb not to draft him. Yeah, I think the what what really shocked me the most out of all these defensive bats was Aaron Robinson, right? Because reading through everything, finding out that he originally committed to Alabama, which we all we all know is the probably elites of all of, of, of college football to decommit from Alabama and then attend UCF. Jason, do you think that was, was that the right, like, was that, was that the right choice for him to decommit from Alabama to Alabama and then start at, at, at UCF early on? I mean, UCF was definitely very excited to get him knowing that he was recruited by a lot of big time programs. Um, UCF knew that they were getting a player that they could immediately plug and play in their defense. Uh, 
UCF ran kind of a strange defense. They would have a lot of guys out on islands, and it was very inconsistent. Um, it, it seemed like at times that just the overall communication of the defense wasn't there. Um, but Aaron Robinson always stood out as a guy that would play tight coverage if he had to come in and tackle a ball carrier. He was physical enough to be able to come in and do that. Um, originally, I didn't think he was anything more than a third or fourth round pick, but after seeing his performance at the Senior Bowl, um, after just looking at uh, more tape, focusing on him a little more, instead of looking at the overall UCF defense, you could see that uh, what what kind of a player he was. Um, I don't know that I see him. Uh, I know Daniel Jeremiah projected him uh, at the end of the first round. I don't know that I see him there. I think he's more of a, a late second, early third round type of player. Um, but he's an immediate starter um, when you you draft him in the late second, early third round. And I think that's um, that's that makes him a really good value there in the late second, early third, uh, that he can immediately come in and start right away. Um, he's got enough f- physicality to be able to come in and start right away. and um, you know, a team's definitely going to get a player that um, not only plays right away, but plays quality snaps right away. Well, yeah, Jason, I I definitely want to thank you for, you know, jumping on today's show, um, you know, with the uh, draft being just literally seven days away. It's always a pleasure to have someone on to be able to talk prospects with us. So, Usam and I definitely want to thank you very much for being able to join us today. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Uh, Very much appreciate it. Looking forward to the draft next week and uh, keep up the good work, guys. Thank you very much. And always be sure, guys, to tune in to Sam's work and my work as well. And thank you, as always, to our uh, producer, Jason Sarney. And fins up, everybody. Fins up. (laughs) 